Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and happy Thanksgiving from us here at Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it really is the best time of the year. We've got family, we've got food, and most importantly, we've got football in Detroit and of course you cannot talk about Thanksgiving and Detroit Lions football without talking about the first man in the history of the game to receive the post-game MVP turkey a four-time MVP turkey recipient making him the all-time leader in MVP turkeys one a former all-pro nose tackle with the Detroit Lions it's the governor Jerry Ball how's it going Jerry how you doing Jack I'm good I'm good my man happy Thanksgiving to you I hope everybody's doing well and you're gonna get fat full today I know we're gonna have a festive day and, you know, we're going to watch some football. We're going to watch line football. I went on and broke form and, and brought, put on my jersey and stuff just in case they need to call me and stuff. I don't know if the plane going to get me there quick enough, but I do have my jersey, so I'm ready to go. Well, you look good, and when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. Play good. Play good, pay good. Pay good, you oh. know. Eat good. But, I, but let me go. You say they pay good. Let me go. Hold on. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like we talked about some of some of these guys, you know, they get uh, 20 million dollars for one sack based on the stats. We, I think we mm-hmm. talked about that, the, that the first show, Jamie Collins with the Detroit Lions and Jerry Ball could do much more than one sack for 20 million. I can tell you that. Hey, you know, that's just the, the modern game and stuff. And, you know, I, I appreciate the acknowledgement during my day. You know, we were getting paid handsome for the time. And this era right now for the time, you know, shit. You know, that's more than I made in all 13 years. Matter of fact, it might two, three, not it, it doubled it for sure. Cool. You know, yeah. So. No kidding. Yeah. As they say, anywho. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, we've got lots to talk about because we have a lovely day of Thanksgiving football ahead. And stay tuned for the end of the show because we're going to take a look at the lines that Bet Online is giving us for today. We're talking Mm. Lions Bears, we're talking Cowboys Raiders, and we're talking Bills Saints. You excited about those games, Jerry? Well, I, I tell you what, the other game that, you know, definitely is on high in the ball house is that Raider Cowboy game. First of all, I'm from Texas, right? Mm-hmm. So I live 
in an infested area of nothing but cowboy fans. So I hear so much chatter, 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 chatter. Now, when I was growing up, I was a Raider fan. All right. So just imagine being a Raider fan as in a youngster Texas. in Texas. Whew, so, I can't. I, oh, yeah. You must yeah. So, pretty badly. Listen, I have some classmates and stuff and um, and high school friends and we're Facebook friends. And, and year round, we're talking Cowboys versus the Raiders. You know, and the thing is, is that because the Cowboys and the Raiders, again, Jerry Jones and Al Davis had a friendship, right? You know, those teams actually, you know, truly, truly have, I, I'm not going to say a rivalry, but we get to compete against each other because we would go to training camp together, all right? The three years that I was with the Raiders, I we actually, we had, one time we actually went to the Cowboys camp down in Austin and twice they came to us. One time we had camp in Oxnard and then another time we moved the training camp up to Napa Valley. So just having the Cowboys and the Raiders in it's a game that I would watch, but more importantly, I got my high school friends, a couple of us are Raider friends and the rest of them are Cowboy fans. And I'm telling you, you know, not only bet online do I have a bet, but I got a bet over there that says the Raiders going to beat the Cowboys. And then I have to go back to Dallas because I'm doing business in Dallas and went to school in Dallas. So then I get back into another cesspool of Cowboy fans. I call them call pokes. But anyway. <laughs> Oh, Jerry, I feel so bad for you trapped down there with surrounded yeah. by all those Cowboys fans. I will say, though, football is better when the Raiders and the Cowboys are thriving. It just makes the entire sport more fun. Yeah, well, the Raiders has its, has its place in the NFL. It's going to always be looked at as like the the villain and the Cowboys being America's team is like the angelic, horrible people that exist. Because once you become a cowboy, you become tainted for life. But <laughs> with the Raiders, it, but the Raiders is the same too. Because they say once a Raider, always a Raider. And Al Davis truly lives that too. That's another thing that shows about Jerry and Al. They treat their players after the game very well. I mean, they, they don't act like, okay, well, we're done with you. You know, hey, how you doing? No, they involve them. They they do things with them. They bring them in. They have them around the players and stuff. So those are the things that the Cowboys and the Raiders do. And, you know, I just went to a Cowboy game a couple of weeks ago on business. Now, again, I probably didn't even watch six plays, you know. So I'm not interested in the Cowboy football at all. Just let you guys know. Only today. <laughs> and because it's Thanksgiving and because you want to win your bet, both with your friends and on betonline.ag. Right. Because it's Thanksgiving and that means three things, family, food, football, and Bet Online has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. So. 
head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your bonus. And it's not just football either. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. And when this game starts, it's going to mean a lot to the players. You said that there's just a different energy in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Can you kind of talk about that? what Thanksgiving means to both Detroit Lions players and the One Pride family? Well, i tell you what, you know, one, it's a tradition. You know, the Lions, and I forget the reason why the Lions is the team that actually plays every Thanksgiving, but it was some type of agreement that was made years back. Yeah. And the Lions you know, so so from the standpoint, I, I used to know exactly what happened. And I think it was and then the Cowboys came into it where it was the Cowboys and the Lions that was really playing most. But the Lions had the primary, you know, seat for Thanksgiving, whereas they will always be a team playing on Thanksgiving. Um, so just the tradition in everybody home across America. And, and I will tell you that in the city of Detroit, you know, that's, you know, first of all, you get the national audience that's paying attention. The city gets a chance to, you know, kind of highlight because they're there. You get the national crews that come in. You get the traveling circus. Let me say it like that. So <laughs> the NFL is going to see in all their type people. You're going to get all of the television. You're going to get little international media because, again, Everyone is there watching that that day, you know, so it's a real focus between those two games. And then when it comes to the players, you know, um, players that are competitive are going to be competitive every game. But truly, when that game came for Thanksgiving during my time there with the Lions, it was almost like the players looked at it like it was a Super Bowl. You know, that's how hype you know, guys would get. For me, I'm always at that level. But Jerry for Ball's somebody, always up here, right? Well, well, I'm all, I'm always ready to get to get busy. If, if I got to play, it don't matter what bell and it don't matter who, I'm going to answer the bell. You know, and whoever it is, they got their hands full. I promise you that. You know, with some guys that, you know, might not have to deal with the whole you know, physical aspect of the game, say like a receiver, you know, he might run his routes a little crisper. He might run them a little faster. He might have a little bit more spring in his step. And it's noticeable because the lights are bright, you know, and when you have, you know, world watching and stuff, you know, you get a chance to make your mark, you know, if you can become one of the stellar players. But you see, even one game don't do it anyway. You know, it's the consistency of being able to do it when the light's not on. You know, when the Lions in Cincinnati playing over there in Cincinnati and the only people watching it is that 
the radius from Cincinnati up to Detroit. And it might be blacked out in Cincinnati because the whole stadium might, might not have sold out. So, you know, we you got to play when there is no circus, you know. But guys, you know, doing Thanksgiving, hey, man, they turn it on, you know. And, and, and it was a good thing, but it also shows that ebb and flow that if you're not ready to answer the bill every time, it would say why the inconsistency was there. Now, eventually, we got that weeded out, though. You know, so by 89, 90, 91, you know, we didn't allow that. You know, that was more guys that was already there. And it took us a while. You know, first we had to earn our stripes to be able to set the tempo, to be able to decide how we're going to practice. You know? And then once you prove, you know, yourself, you know, hey, then you do it on practice. And then I'll take, well, anyway, it's just one of those games that, you know, guys put a lot of focus on. Especially those, we, when I was back in high school playing football, we'd call them the paper makers, the receivers, the running backs, the one scoring the touchdowns. They're all looking to get the highlight reel, their five minutes of fame. But like you said, it's consistency. You have to be like Jerry Ball, ready to go play football in a cornfield if you have to, because that's what the occasion calls for. Well, 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 I'm down south, so we don't grow a lot of corn. But if you was to say a crawfish pond or a <laughs> rice paddy or something like that, because it's interchangeable between the rice. We grow a lot of rice, soybeans and things like that down here in my part of the country. You know, so I'm, yeah, I'm ready to get my hand in the mud. That's for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, down here in Southern, oh, I guess up here from you, but down here in Southern Ontario, we're just surrounded by cornfields everywhere. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I understand. I understand. Lots of opportunity to build a field out there. But when we talk about how you weeded out this attitude from the former regime and the some of the former players of Thanksgiving, what is Jerry's favorite Thanksgiving game and memory? Is it after that, once things started to really head in the right direction? You know what? I, I really can't. You know, it's funny because I listen to guys remember a lot of football that they played, you know, and my mind isn't like that, you know, where I can just pick out a game you know, there are certain things that I remember I did, in, in, like it's a play I made in college that I remember because, hell, I was surprised when I seen it on film what I did. And that, you know, there was one play when we played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I know I took Stepnowski and I must have drove him about eight yards in the backfield. And I had him in one hand and was tackling Emmett in the other and stuff. And I remember that play because again, you know, I'm looking on film. I'm like, damn. Okay. I remember so, that play too. I didn't know that was on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. That was a Thanksgiving day. So, so just in the long short of it, you know, I would just say that, you know, when you making plays and stuff all the time, you know, it's not really about, you know, which one as much as it is, you know, did we win? You know, I, I, I put forward a lot of effort and a lot of losing battles. 
you know, because, you know, when we wasn't that good in 87 and 88, you know, I think we were like 3 and 13 and maybe 4 and 12 or something like that. And, and when we're playing that bad and stuff, you know, you, like just like now, you know, you got a lot of guys that won't be accountable, but they had gotten comfortable because really, and, and, and I'm going to say this, and again, you know, fellas, you know, I'm just giving my opinion, and I'm sure that you have yours. But there were guys that were on the team that really shouldn't have been on the team. And they were mostly guys that were from that area that some way they ended up being on the Lions team. Okay, now I'm not saying that was across the board, but they had a lot of that type of nepotism on the team. So it wasn't always to me the Lions making the decisions to even keep the best player, let alone who they would bring in the camp. Because some of these guys had great relationships with Russ Thomas, and Russ Thomas would help them extend their years. But if those guys was to leave the Lions and go try to make another team, it wouldn't have happened. Now, again, fans... On Thanksgiving, I ain't trying to disappoint you. I ain't trying to throw shade. I'm just telling you the facts as I see it. This is my opinion. But I promise you, if other guys were asked the question and, and I was to whisper in their ear four players' names, I promise you they would say, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So it, it's not but, – but when you're trying to – Win a championship, you can't have that. No. You can't. You got to put the best players and you got it's not fair to the fans. Now it can look they can get on camera. Everyone can get on the camera and say anything, but this is one of the things that made the lines and I have a love-hate relationship because I'm trying to win a championship and and I'm telling you, I'm like, well, I don't know what they're doing. And I would call bullshit, bullshit. Now, the reason why is because, again, I'm fighting two and three men every game. Ain't nobody else on the whole roster having to fight and play the way I'm having to play. I'm getting hit with illegal blocks. And you telling me that I got to earn mine and he's going to be giving it? Mm-mm. No. Well, then this is how we would weed that out. So when we get in practice, instead of me just practicing with the first team, I would actually go practice on the scout team so I could put pressure on the people to show exactly who, who the Ducks were. Yes, Jerry. I love I, that. So, so that's how we started. Like, okay, I'm approved. It's similar to what the guy did in basketball when he was with the Jimmy Butler. Yeah. It's same type thing. It ain't that, but when you putting your heart in it, and then you over here playing a political game and you know it's not football, well, I'm gonna deal with it in a football way. All right. And in that way, then some of that started moving away. And we started drafting guys that were, you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying they didn't draft guys then. They didn't keep some of them at some places that they should have, you know. And yeah. then when you start going play teams like the Chicago Bears and you got 
Wilbur Marshall, Richard Dent, Hampton, Singletary, and all those guys that you're putting <laughs> in front of a guy that really probably wouldn't shouldn't have, well, depending on the college, might have not even started on some major colleges, but you're going to tell him to go now block that guy. No. Yeah. That's why we're outmatched. You know, and, and again, that's the past. I don't know what all being done, but just from an internal. So you ask, how did we get rid of it? You know, we got rid of it by raising the standard. Then Wayne Fonts brought in Frank Gans. And Frank Gans was probably one of the most instrumental people because it didn't matter who you were. You could be an all-pro. You could be the starting quarterback. Frank Gans had everybody. Wayne made it mandatory that every player on the team had to attend the special teams meetings. And Frank Gans started raising the standards, and we all bought into that. But that was Wayne's system. You know, so that's where it started. But by that time, we get Frank in there. We had they had gotten some of the guys were older players, so they were going to retire anyway. But we also had gotten rid of some of the ones that was really, you know, taking up space. You know, and I and again, guys, I apologize to say that, but you guys know what I'm saying is true. Yeah. You know, and that's why they don't like you know. I, I used to tell them in college, if you don't want the truth, don't ask me. I tell them in the pros, if you don't want the truth, don't ask me. And then I had to learn to put some discretion on it, you know, but at the same time, you can't tell me you want to win a championship and you're doing this nonsense. And that's part of the reason why I, I kind of pushed myself, you know, whereas I felt I needed to go because I wanted to win a championship. You know, and they wasn't trying, literally. Well, and again, that's the management then. I'm not saying that's what's now. I'm talking about then. Yeah, it's just you can't you you can't have that. And w there's been times, there's been different cycles of Lions management where people have called it the country club because that's where some of the older veterans go to collect big paychecks and and not really put up the numbers and. People have also, you specifically, have called it a farm team because the young players, when they break out, they go get their big money somewhere else. So those are two things. We and championships. And championships. Champions. You know, Lomas Brown left and got him. Ray Crockett went and got him. Ray, Eric Williams went and got it. And this others just right off the top. Oh, and yeah. those guys became starters, but they're all in the same locker room and we two, three players away. 91, we're two, three players away from having a Super Bowl team. And it's like they just blew it up. And, and even for the modern day, you look at Ndamukong and Sue, he went and did it. You got Matthew Stafford who might go and do it. We can't have that anymore. That needs to be a yeah. thing of the past. But when we do talk about past Thanksgivings, everyone knows that John Madden, probably the greatest commentator in the history of the NFL, most people would say, and you spoke about how Mr. Madden would highlight the fact that Jerry Ball's taken on two, three, four, sometimes even five blockers throughout his Oh, career. I don't know about five now. <laughs> the little you chip know, from the running and, back. And, 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 and four would be stretching it. I might have ran by the quarterback and we'll count it, but nah. <laughs> yeah, but, 
But, you know, no, I, I would tell you, you know, John Madden actually um, is probably the still the number one voice that has ever called football. Yeah. He and Pat Summerall and no what they duo. Oh, man, listen. And, and, and you know what would be good, you know, is that, you know, uh, they come in on, I think it's, it's not, yeah, it's, they come in on Saturday. No, it's Friday. It's either Friday or Saturday. The media comes in. So those guys will be there and they come out, watch a little bit of practice, and then they, they schedule the guys that they want to talk to. So in that process, you know, a lot of the things that you hear the guys talking about is because they've already sat down and done an interview with the players and things like that so that they can create their content and the things to talk about on air. That's how they get the information to do that. But they were like the best at doing that. I, I tell them and Terry Bradshaw, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of getting out of the player things that they could actually share. And John Madden did that very well. And he would actually go back. I remember one game, he went back and pulled a clip from when I was a running back in high school and I rushed for a thousand yards Ooh. and he played that clip. Now, when he played that clip, that just expanded people's mind on how they seen me. And now they understood why I could run so well. It's yeah. because I was running back before. So me, the way that I ran as a lineman, I was moving like a linebacker and a fullback, but I'm a defensive lineman. But what they didn't know is that I was a 1,000-yard rusher on the state championship team, which is the top class in the state of Texas, which was 5'8". So, so he pulls that, and then it was like another stamp. So now people are talking about that, but he's doing that like during a Thanksgiving game or a Monday night game. So if you had John Madden calling, first of all, everybody's watching that game. And the way that he would focus on guys like myself, Cortez Kennedy, and uh, Nate Newton is like he loved big-bodied players that could play and could move. And he would just highlight, listen, what these guys are doing, you have to understand these other players are not moving and doing this. This is some superlative type stuff, and he would show. Look at here. He's fighting two blockers. Now, he's controlling this one, and he's getting rid of that, and he still makes the tackle, folks. That's the type of stuff where that he's – if you look at a game on television, he would actually take it from the television view and break it down to the capsule where you're only seeing what's going on with me and the lineman that you don't see when you're looking at the side view. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, in breaking down the game, that also made him a great commentator. It's because being a head coach, he understood everybody's roles and what should be going on. The DBs, the linebackers up front, what the offense might be trying to do, what are the basic standards, and what is beyond average. He was good at identifying, like, hey, look, this is something special that you guys are watching. And he did that for me. And, and, and I tell you, you know, I'm thankful. You know, the only thing is that I don't have I have a lot of VHS tapes that have eroded, 
but that's the one thing that I would like to do if I could get the games just he called just for my grandson so that when they're old enough to understand that their grandfather played, they could actually see how I played, mm -hmm. you know, because he really did create something that would be a great, you know, um, I guess you say list of memories, you know, that when I'm gone, I could live on, live on in immortality, you know? Exactly. And it's, it, it's just everything about John Madden. It's not just the, the, the breakdowns on the films. Like you said, it's the stories that he would get out of people, the stories he yep. would create. He is just truly something special. And did your relationship or his relationship, because he was obviously the former head coach of the Raiders well before you were there, but did that add anything to your relationship with him once you headed down to the Raiders? Well, yes, because um, he and Al Davis, again, were some of the guys that I would tell you were first class when it came to, you know, their player concerns for former player. Well, their concerns for former players and the way that they actually would, if, when they hear that a player is struggling, and that was a player that's from my hometown, Beaumont, Texas, that's, you know, one of the Raider greats in, in the 60s, 70s. His name is Warren Wells, who was a, one of, during that time, one of the greatest receivers. And he was actually, he and Fred Belitnikoff and kind of played early. But long short, um, he had some mental illnesses and stuff, so he had some challenges, and he would be walking the street. And, and this gentleman actually is my older sister's godfather. So when I would see him and come home from Detroit, I'd pick him up, go take him, get him something to eat, give him a hat, get him a haircut, things like that. And then um, Al and John and I were talking about him and they like, man, do you ever hear anything? I told him and stuff. And man, they ended up getting his, all his NFL stuff affairs, man. And he passed here in recent couple of years, I think, in the last year and a half, but I would tell you this. John Madden and Al Davis made sure that he got everything that he needed. So those days, those final days of his life, he was together. He still had the mental challenges, but he was in his home. He was taking his medication. His sister was definitely, you know, his caretaker and, and family took care of him. But John and Al, you know, that, that's one of the things they would always ask. So that separated, you know. And another thing, impact that John had was on the video game world. Yeah, you know, did. You know, first it started with Tech Mobile, you know. And based on what John was saying, they recognized that he was having an impact. And then EA came out with Madden Football. And then from now, it's legendary. It's still probably, it's got to be one of the number one and number two games of all time, mm -hmm. you know, but made that, you know, and it all started right there from that whole commentating book, you know? Yeah, just true greatness throughout the life of John Madden, just a truly great man, coach, commentator all around. And when we talk about his coaching career, in the minds of many, I believe he's still the highest winning percentage in all time NFL coaches, but another 
coach that everyone has up there as well is Mike Ditka. Thanks to that historical defense of the 85 Bears went to the Super Bowl. But Mike Ditka wasn't a fan of Jerry Ball, was he? Tell us about some of your battles with with Mike. Well, in, I would say it like this, okay? Now, I, I was the first player to have an NFL license that I actually manufactured T-shirts and leather jackets. So I'm not going to say that Mike didn't like me because when Mike bought a Viper, his wife had a custom-made leather jacket from my company. So I know for a fact if they spent some money with me, they didn't hate me that bad, right? (laughs) It's just when you played for the Bears and the Lions against the Lions and the Vikings. Oh, when I tell you that we had some knockdown drag outs, you know, some of the coldest days I've ever spent on earth was on social field. I remember one time it was a record during the time it was like minus 27. The the wind chill factor was minus 42. All right. We on the grass. The grass looked like lettuce that had been, you know, I don't know. Sometimes when you the the lettuce in your refrigerator gets a little ice on it. That's how, it, because it's too cold, that's how the grass looks. Oh. And I'm telling you, you know, it's like you own part grass and part ice, just depending on where you are. But Soldier Field and that stadium, man, you, you would feel like everybody would be just right up on you because the seats didn't have an incline like that. It was the lower seats, so they kind of had an incline at a different angle, so it looked like everybody's just in a bowl. So Mike Dicker would be right there always in the air with his little sweater on and stuff. And I mean, man, he used to talk so much shit. Excuse me. He used, This Thanksgiving, I'm trying not to say a word. <laughs> but he would be cussing me. And I would be cussing him back. And you know, you know how sometimes the coach kind of is like partially on the field, but he knows he's not supposed to be on the field, but he on the field because he didn't cross the sideline. And I would go stand in that little area and the grade, he'd come on the field and we'd be five feet apart and stuff. He's talking, get your fat ass over there. Ball, I say, yeah, I say, you send the ass out here one or two at a time. It don't goddamn, excuse me, I wasn't going to cuss it on Thanksgiving, but I apologize, you guys. Y'all, don't, don't hold me. But more importantly, it was a good exchange of stuff. And I tell you, it was some real battles, too. And, and during that time, that the NFC, the NFC Central was considered the Black and Blue Conference. That's what it was called, the Black and Blue. Because in there, it was a physical well-known. It's a straight pound. Everybody played the same type ball. We here to play man-on-man football. You whoop my ass or I'm going to whoop your ass. And that was a style of play. Whereas in the AFC, they were more finesse. Mm-hmm. All right? So just in that conference, the Bears was probably, I would say, yeah, they probably was had the most physical defense during that time in the NFC Central. So, for the standpoint of our offense, it was always a tough battle. And and I, I would tell you on Sundays, and, and tell you what, I did get in touch with Lomas Brown, so we are going to get him on. Um, when when Lomas would play Green Bay with Tim Harris or Richard Dent with the Bears. 
He knew he would have to be on his A game. And he and I would do extra work, whereas I would get out there and act like I'm a defensive end rushing him. And you'd be like, defensive end, you know, you're so short. How are you going to resemble? Well, what it was is that he knew that he had to keep his leverage point down. So what he was doing was making sure he would get down low enough to my leverage would be enough leverage to keep leverage on Richard. So it helped him keep his elevation down and his hips closed by just practicing it, you know, because he's looking at a certain point. So those are the little things that would happen during that Chicago Bear week, you know. Now, I just played some golf with um, one of the coaches and um, Gentry, the running back, who was one of Walter Page, and they was telling me just how it was, you know, during the week that they would be playing that they would play the lines, how Jay Hilgenberg all week would be frantic, you know, or uh, some of them. Now, this is what they said, Jay. I didn't say I said. <laughs> they said it. They said he would be a nervous wreck all week because he know he has to deal with 93. Oh, that's my number. <laughs> but it, I tell you, that, that Mike Dicker – and those guys and stuff, it was some good matches, though. I mean, some of the best football I ever played, I can tell you in that regard, I would say those battles with Chicago were some epic ones because, you know, even though they had that dominating defense, our defense was answering the bell, you know. Mm-hmm. And we had our own little defense that we was, you know, putting it to the ass to. Oh, I, I can only imagine the slobber knockers that would happen back uh, back between those two teams. And you've oh, talked man. about your rookie year, seeing Walter Payton across the field and realizing you've got to tackle him. What was it like trying to tackle Sweetness? Well, I, I tell this story every time. And I tell it on purpose because, you know, here's a kid that's now a young man that's getting to play someone that first I never thought I would ever be on the field with him, mm-hmm. okay, other than looking at him or something like that. But on the field where he has on the helmet and I have on the helmet, and it's my job to tackle him because I was a little boy in awe. So first game we playing, Soldier Field. When I see him come on the field, you know, he's walking, putting his gloves on, and he's got that little Walter Payton little gait about him and stuff that I've been watching all those years. And I'm like this here. (laughs) (laughs) With the mouth open and everything? Yeah, yeah. I'm in awe. I'm in awe. Like, Like, in my mind, I'm like, damn, that's Walter Payton. One of the veteran defensive linemen comes over. He go, Pow! I'm like, man. He say, yeah, and you have to tackle his ass too. <laughs> he, he could see that I was in awe. Like, hey, wake up! You got to play again. Don't don't be in that type of awe, you know? Yeah. So so the first, literally the first two plays that they ran, the first play they came to the left side. It was a straight dive. I'm the rookie. So, of course, just like any pro team would do, we're going to test the rookie and see if he can hold up. Mm -hmm. So the very first two plays they ran were right at me. 
So the first time I got Jay like this and I separated. And in college, I used to be able to just, you know, grab the one arm and just, wow. Yeah. Man, I did that with Walter, man. I swear, man, it felt like my arm was a saloon door of a Western and somebody just got thrown out the saloon door. I mean, it popped. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> All right. I'm like, hey, I'm like, mm, he run with some authority. Now, I already knew this, but I now I feel Walter Payton running. I yeah. feel I feel that authority that I seen him running and bounce out and why they couldn't just get him down because he's like a little muscle, right? So the very next play, now they running the same lead. Now they coming this way. So this time I got Jay. I threw, got rid of it, and then I jumped in front of him and hit him. Bow! And I'm on him, and it's like I'm face down, and it's just really he and I, and a couple of guys are around our feet. And I'm not getting up slow because in my mind, I'm like, I tackle Walter Payton. And he goes, pop. <laughs> he slaps me in the helmet and says, Get up, Rook. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I, I honestly said this to myself. He knows I'm a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> he know, he knows who I am. Yeah, he knows I'm a rookie. Like, he done paid attention to me. You know, like, wow. Like, Walter Payton knows I'm a rookie. I'm like, so I feel good. But that was my first experience with it, you know. And, of course, it was in the latter part of his career. So I could only imagine what he was if I would have called him five years earlier. (sighs) Just a phenomenal talent and a great man. Talking about a lot of those today, great at their job, John Madden, Walter Payton, and just great people off the field as well. But I do have a question that I think I'm going to start asking for every game now. And we're talking about the bad side of football. Who is the baddest Chicago Bear that Jerry ever went up against? The baddest? Well, (coughs) I would say... um... I mean, Van Horn was, um, man, I would say Covert, he got me, he, he, he got me one time that I even told those coach, the coaches and, uh, Gentry, the other, the, the, at the golf tournament weeks back, I said, yeah, I, I owe his ass for that. <laughs> you know? So that was one of the hardest hits for sure. But I would say probably, you know, with the combination blocks that they was, it was Hildenberg. And um, boards and there they uh, they they guards and stuff work well with them and stuff. So between those combinations, I say any one of those three, okay, you know, because okay. I have to deal with every every time. <laughs> that that's the thing. There's no there's no days off for Jerry in the middle of that defense. No, 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 not doing those days. <laughs> no, not at all. And so. Our, we got to talk about this game a little bit, I suppose. We've talked a lot about Thanksgiving and the Lions, but Jared Goff is back to starting this game, hopefully, but the Bears will be out without their quarterback in Justin Fields. Instead, they'll be starting Andy Dalton, and our friend, Adam Pacman jones of the Believe in Bengals podcast, he says Jared Goff is Andy Dalton, and this is coming from a guy who played – 
with Andy Dalton. Perfect quarterback when everything is perfect around him. He is great, but as soon as there's pressure, he breaks down and doesn't elevate the team. What do we, that accurate assessment? I, I would say it is. Um, I, I would say if you were just going into the game at the quarterback position, we're even. Mm. I, I would say that too. Yeah, so the rest of the team is going to have to step up and elevate exactly. today. Yeah, yeah, that's what I believe. You know, they're going to have to give their quarterback, the, you know, what they need to support them to win the game. You know, it's not, you know, one of those things where I think either one of them, you know, I think they can throw for the same yardage. They both got similar type, you know, I guess you say defenses where they play decent defense. You know, but just from a quarterback standpoint, I, I neither one of them, if I was drafting, you know, and I'm not saying they're not good quarterbacks because any guy that's in the NFL is good. Don't. Mm-hmm. All right. It's just a matter if you can respond to the pressure versus react to it. It's about whether or not you can keep your paws in and elevate your team when things are falling apart. You see, that field general is truly that. Imagine if in war the general don't know what to do and the troops are saying, what do we do? What do we do? All right, but that's kind of how the quarterback has to be, whereas instead of letting the guys get to a point that they ask in the question, he has to take control of it and say, hey, guys, let's settle down. Hey, I need more protection. I need you to do this, 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 and let, let's get down the field, baby. Come on, one play at a time. Let's let's lock in. That's take control. The- that's a very good way to put it. You you can't have your general panicking when the first shell is dropped. Not, cannot. And that's what I think Pac is talking about between both of them, is that as long as it's not live fire and we can go through all of the drills and hell, I look good. Yeah, I'll be ready to shoot this. But as soon as that fire started, you start like, oh, man, if they shoot, what would you do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> forget all your training. <laughs> And I think we are a little bit lucky that we don't have to go up against Justin Fields today, the rookie out of Ohio State, because that man is a playmaker with his legs and with a cannon of an arm. He, he's he got some refinement to do, but the man is talented. I'm excited to see what he can become. Well, I think the, the one thing that the Browns, I mean, the Bears did, they did draft well in drafting. I think they have a young Cam Newton. I think the one thing that he can learn is is how to be a better, you know, version. You know, I don't think he and Cam have all of the same traits, but I think athletically and their field presence and stuff, you have to account for them if they're scrambling. But it's their arm once they are scrambling, you know, you you, you chase him or you stay in coverage. You know, yeah. so he that. And I think just for the future, I think the thing is, is that they at least know who will be their quarterback next year. They're they're not looking for a quarterback. That's a good, that's a good place to be, even though he's not playing, you know, but that is a good place to be. Yeah. You, you got to build around these young quarterbacks, especially when they show as much promise as Justin Fields has. But when you look at the history of the Chicago bears, it's lackluster 
a little bit. They are the only team in the NFL that does not have a quarterback who has thrown for 4,000 yards. The closest is Eric Kramer when he threw for 3,800 yards. And then their top five passers are Jay Cutler, who had a solid career there. Sid Luckman, no, no slouch. Jim Harbaugh, credit to him. Uh, Jim McMahon, credit to him as well. But then Mitchell Trubisky, who only played four years in Chicago, is fifth all time in the 102-year history of the Bears. That is not a good record of quarterbacks. Well, yeah, I don't think that they ever actually had a quarterback that actually was drafted because of the home. And then here's the other thing, too, that you have to pay attention. You know, you playing in some inclement weather that mm -hmm. will be throwing the ball. Chicago plays outside in the weather. All right. And I will tell you, just like we would get excited to see who we would play on Thanksgiving, you better damn well look and damn well believe that the first thing when the schedule came out, <laughs> You looked in November, December to see if you was going to Chicago or Green Bay in any one of those months. Because you know, I mean, and this is the, as soon as you see the schedule, you look at the November and December, do we play Green Bay and Chicago in any one of them months in Chicago or in Lambeau Field? Because you know for a fact that weather is going to have an effect on the game. So just imagine if four of their games, right, is in that type of weather at home in, in the second half of the season, that doesn't mean this quarterback is about to walk out there and start throwing for 400, 500 yards. Now, now Brady, okay, showed that it could be done, right, mm -hmm. but different offensive system, different scheme. You get what I'm saying? And Brady's arm – was not how they were winning. Yeah. It's the, right. the the dink dunk run after the whole, death. that's right. The, the, those safety valve passes, you know, primary routes one and two, then look for your safety. You know, so beating them with his mind, not his arm. Right. So he would be efficient to get those. So I just, you know, say just weather I'm sure has a reason why none of them have ever been able now, McMahon wasn't a great thrower anyway, and nor was Jim Harbaugh. I can tell you that. I, I, you know, I played against them. You know, so we didn't walk into the game worrying about those guys lighting our ass up, throwing the ball. Honestly. Yeah. Interesting. What was it like preparing for Jim McMahon? Because I've heard he's quite a personality as well. Well, while he's on the field, it's like looking at a rock star, and he got a rock star attitude, too. Is He's talking the whole time? Well, to his teammates and stuff, and if you do something to get his attention, he might say say something to you, you know? Like, I know I've heard him before. He say, damn, could you hit me a little harder? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, and you, you, when you go back through the history of the Chicago Bears, it is a lot about defense, and probably part of that is because of the weather and what you have to deal with. You need to slug it out. Unfortunately for the Bears, and fortunately for us with the Lions, they're going to be without Khalil Mack. He's had season-ending foot surgery. They'll also be without underrated 
defensive tackle Akeem Hicks out of the University of Regina in Saskatchewan here in Canada. So without two of their star defensive linemen, but then Robert Quinn is still there. And the last time we faced the Bears, Panay Sewell was beat twice by Robert Quinn for sacks. So you can't sleep on this defense even without their stars. No, I, I think, you know, just from the standpoint of, again, this is pro football, so everybody are pros, you know, so you can't underestimate anybody that you're going to go out on that field today and face. I think with Khalil being out for the rest of the year, that does make the Bears have to make some adjustments, you know, but it also will give the opportunity for other leaders to be developed because when when you are the key guy and then that third and long, Everyone knows in the building, the person that has the likely chance of possibly getting to the quarterback best is Khalil Mack. Now, the rest of you get a chance to play with that, So, but you know the pressure isn't on you to get there. The pressure is on him to get there. But now you have to step your game up so that you can identify yourself as being the answer to anything that Khalil can't do. Because Khalil is a hell of a player, so he's going to always have a presence on the field. But it allows those other players to really step their game up and, and, and find out who's going to play at the same level. You know, and that, it, 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 again, it serves them well. They hadn't been having the best of season either. But, you know, where their defense is playing and the Lions defense, I think both of them are in some growing and learning pains. But they all both play solid defense. Definitely. And the, and with a team like Chicago, much in the same way with Detroit, you need these young players to step up and become more of a leader, because, especially with the Bears. Detroit seems set with our future in the front office and coach for now, at least. But the Bears, there's talk that they may have a new head coach as early as tomorrow morning. So a report came out that Matt Nagy would be fired after this game, no matter what happened. And he's denied that. He said that he talked to the, the owners and they said that he is not at risk of losing his job. But then he was called into a meeting with ownership later that day. And then he canceled afternoon meetings for the team after meeting with ownership. That where there's smoke, there is fire, in my opinion. Yeah. It sounds like there is not a lot of cohesion going on in Chicago. And can the Lions take advantage of that? And how do the Bears respond? Again, you know, those things that make it out like that becomes real distractions. And, and what he said was the appropriate thing. Because if you have your team going into a game thinking your coach is going to be a lame duck going into the game, it ain't shit he can say to them. Mm -hmm. You know, he's already lost the team because you've taken it, you've taken it from. Him. So, so when you look at those type of scenarios, and then this, this is is this his first year? Uh, no, this is uh, Nagy's. Uh, Nagy's been there for five years, I think now. Five years, okay. Well, shit, five years. You know, that's not surprising. Yeah. You know, he's had a good run. Like I said, typically it's three now. But yeah, five years. They gave him a little bit of an extra chance because of Mitchell Trubisky. They wanted to say, you know how politics go, right? Everyone is looking to blame someone else. So 
after the end of the season with Mitchell Trubisky, the GM Ryan Pace and the head coach Matt Nagy said, no, we're good at our jobs. Mitchell Trubisky was the problem. Give us another chance and we'll fix it. And they got rid of Trubisky and did not fix it. And another thing that the GM Ryan Pace did, he's given up a lot of draft picks for players and it's moving up in the draft a lot. So he gave up a future first rounder, a future second or, and a future six for Justin Fields moved up to trade uh, to select an offensive tackle in the second round. And what we're finding when we look at the history of drafts, no one's really good at it. Every GM has as many busts as as many hits. They're all, you're going to hit some, you're going to miss some. So does it make sense that GMs are trading up? I have to get my guy right now because I know best or is it better to do what the lions are doing and say, Hey, we don't really know as well. So we're going to take multiple kicks at the can, get as many draft picks as possible and build that way. Well, it just really depends on where the team sees themselves. I mean, if they actually feel that they're three or four players away, then, you know, some moves like that might make sense. You know, now if you're in a total rebuild, then you want to try to get as many draft picks as you want. But the one thing that I would say that you can't do, right, is identify a player's result based on why he where he's drafted. I it's four number ones that don't pan off, but I could tell you one Hall of Famer like John Randall, he was not drafted. He was a total free agent, walked on, made the team. Now he's a Hall of Fame. All right. Joe Montana, he wasn't first round draft pick. He wasn't a second round draft pick. Joe Montana was a third round draft pick. You know, so where you pick doesn't actually decide how you play. It might change some expectations if you're a first round or second round because they expect that if a team's going to take you that high, that you got to be someone that can walk in and make an impact. That number one player is with your quarterback, it's a little different because they understand you have to learn a system. But every other player, they want to know how soon is he going to get on the field, coach? How does he is he picking up the system, coach? When is he going to play, coach? You know, and then from there, you know, you're dealing with it. But you know, a lot of these moves again. You got to look at your personnel and understand what's close and and building out what you want. And if those moves were going to allow us to get these final pieces, then you you make those moves. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. There's nothing wrong with trading picks for established talent. However, you just you have to know who you are. You can't be get look at the Bears. Khalil Mack, he is absolutely worth two first round picks, but the Bears weren't ready as a team to get Khalil Mack, and because of it, they never went on a championship run like they should have with a star like Khalil. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, sometimes, you know, those the chances of getting a player like that, if you feel, again, you can build around and they got enough youth in them, you can make a move like that. But two first-rounders, that would have been hard for me to give up. One, yeah. for sure, I would have gave up. But two, mm, kind of tough. Absolutely. And again, it's a lot of this is about making money and especially when it comes to the Chicago Bears, because when Papa Bear George Hallis Sr. passed, his eldest daughter, Virginia Hallis McCaskey, she took over as the principal owner. 
her son, the late Michael McCaskey, took over as president. But the reality is the team was placed in a trust and a trust's job is to make money, which is why the new president who took over for Michael McCaskey when he became the chairman is Ted Phillips, an accountant. And that's his job is to make the Bears more profitable. And so when given the opportunity to hire Chris Ballard, we all know Chris Ballard, the former G or the current GM of the Colts, fantastic as his job. He cut his teeth with the Bears, was there for over 10 years. And then he goes to Kansas City. The Bears have the chance to bring him back. And he says, okay, if if I'm going to take this job, we need to get rid of X, Y, and Z because I I know where the bodies are buried. I know the problems in this organization, much the way a Jerry Ball knows the problems with the Lions. And so Chris says, here's what we need to do. Also, I want more money because I'm going to be doing more than you expect me to. And the Bears said no. They hired Ryan Pace. Ballard waits until 2017 to get the job with the Colts. And the rest is history. But that just speaks to a lot of the business of the NFL, doesn't it? Well, again, the NFL is a business. It's an entertainment business. Let's 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 take the football and understand football is the content, mm-hmm. but entertainment is the purpose, right? And for bringing forward the actual production of football, there are some remunerations or benefits in monetary ways that they make their money. Teams make their money locally in certain ways that's different than the collective money that they share, you know, as owners or members of the NFL. As an example, a lot of people don't know that, like, you own the Dallas Cowboys, but you don't own the star. That's owned by the NFL. You own the Detroit Lions, but you don't own the line or the name. You just Okay. All right. The NFL retains the ownerships of the logos, the intellectual property of the logos. They decide how you even use those logos. So Jerry Jones can't take the store and go put it on shit and turn around and sell it without getting it all approved because collectively all of the owners own all of the logos together. Okay. All right. It's a business. So that's like going to Looney Tunes or Warner Brothers that owns all of its content, right? And you go in and you want to use Bugs Bunny. They say, okay, you want to use Bugs Bunny on a golf club. Okay, we're going to charge you X because Warner Brothers owns that life, that intellectual property. But then when it comes time to perform, you know, you know, Bugs Bunny from cartoons, all right? So that's how they play out the entertainment that they sell to who? Television. Who does what? Sells advertisement, right? That pays the the studio and pays, you know, the uh, production costs. That's essentially how it washes. So when the NFL is over here putting on their production, right? That means that there's a show. It's the game, right? They make their money. But when you go to the game, those receipts that they pick up at the stadium, that's the owner's money. That's not the league's money. Now, they share certain things, 
but how well those concessions and what you're selling in there and all of the, the, the trinkets and the captured audience type of business that's being done at those locations, that's the owner's trap. Okay. Mm. So, you, you know, so when you have an accountant, he's looking at each one of those business models to make sure that they're meeting the numbers because he has to manage the money. Now, let's say he makes a decision and it costs them money. Do you fire him? Because he's his biggest concern and the reason why he's hired by the trust is to keep the money. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, how do you bring a football guy into it? All right. I think it has a lot to do with who has the stroke at the trust, what put member can speak into it, how they have the voting aspects of it. You know, that I think all that comes into play. So it, it's difficult. And, and I would say that, you know, what makes this situation a little different than the lines, even though it's the same type of skill set during the time when we were playing. Uh, Chuck Smith, who actually was a CPA at Ernst & Young, you know, ended up taking the job under Russ Thomas, who was the GM. And when Russ moved on, Chuck replaced Russ Thomas. All right. So it was a hire from within that was already there, whereas the trust went outside and got an accountant that could fill the role to help them make sure that they kept the fiduciary responsibility of why the trust exists. So it's good and it's bad too, you know, anyway, yeah. but well, it's business. It's the entertainment business. Lots of, lots of layers to the business world too. Like in any business, not just the NFL, not just entertainment. There's always things going on behind the scenes that yeah. we, the general public will never be privy to. Never know. Never know, you know. Matter of fact, that's how we look at the game. You know, the game itself is the actual show. It is the circus. It is the movie. You know, you go to the theater to see a movie, same thing. It's NFL the, Col game, it's the Coliseum. Same, same exact thing as entertainment. So they present it where you can come and enjoy it, and then they present it over these platforms and mediums that actually – delivers this content to us and we buy it. We eat it up, you know, <laughs> and, and then it gets to the fan part. Then they worry about the fans, you know, because you're a fan regardless. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's damn true. They have me hook, line and sinker. <laughs> but it's just the way of the road but we'll we'll get you out of here jerry we know you've got to spend time with your family for thanksgiving so we'll close things out talking about today's slate we've got to get predictions for all of these games and we've got the spread from bet online as well so we'll start with cowboys hosting the raiders cowboys are nine point favorites over vegas that seems a little bit steep I don't think they can cover that. So you know I'm 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 definitely bet online. I've already placed my bet. They I, Cowboys can cover nine on the Raiders. I don't give I, them. Yeah, I there's not a chance in the world. I, I do I think it's gonna be a three point game. Cowboys do probably win coming the Cowboys are funny because they had that big loss to the Broncos where they were blown out. Then they blew out the Falcons, so they were back up. Then they got blown out 
again, or they lost to the Kansas City. So they're kind of in this roller coaster right now. I don't know yeah. what to make of it. Well, listen, I would say the Cowboys definitely have a good team, but the Raiders have a good team. I think with some of the things that happened with the Raiders and John Gruden, that definitely created a distraction and really knocked them off course. But before that, they they were humming. I think, though, the team and Cardinal come in, play their game, they can win this game. Now, with the Cowboys, it's a little different. You know, I think that these guys, you know, you know, it's like if they hit their rhythm and shit, you can't slow them down. But I will tell you that they are much better with Dak Prescott at quarterback, man. And I and I, I am impressed with Dak. And I will say that back Dak, Dak for the call pokes is definitely in the top five. And if they can ever get Ezekiel, if Ezekiel Elliott can be for the Cowboys what Swift is for the Lions then they're totally unstoppable. Yeah, that is, it's a spicy offense in Dallas, and the defense is building, too. It's they're, they're heading in the right direction. Hopefully the Raiders are, too. But our next game, tonight's game, the Buffalo Bills will head to New Orleans, take on the Saints as six-point favorites on the road. And the Saints are always that team that you can't sleep on them. No, you can't sleep on them, but I don't think that they're the same team. I mean, one, they lost their quarterback, and then, of course, it's not Breeze there this year. So I actually am going to roll with the Bills on that. I think the Bills can cover that six points. All right, all right. Josh Allen, a big day from him we're expecting in New Orleans. Did you ever play in the Superdome, or was that uh, after? Yes, I have. I've heard it's insane how loud it gets. Yeah, yeah, you know, those those domes and the way that you it picks up an echo is almost like, you know, it, it, you hear the you hear the voice and it has this little you know like if you're talking a tool and it kinda and the echo kind of carries, not so that it's bouncing, that's how it sounds and it's like it goes around. But it's coming from every area, but it seems like the sound is just going around like mmm. You know, so so it is a loss. It was kind of how the Silverdome was too, and if you remember, all of them had that little round. So the sound ain't just bouncing side to side; it's actually moving around the ring. I didn't realize that was the cause of it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Well, Saints at home. Hopefully, they can hang with the Bills, but Josh Allen might be a little bit too much for them. Six point uh, spread on betonline.ag. But now for the main event and our first game of Thanksgiving. The Bears are three and a half point favorites over the Lions today. I think that's ridiculous. I, of course, will be taking the Lions, but I need to hear what Jerry thinks, my football conscience, and I got to get a prediction for the final score. Well, first of all, I'm taking the, taking the Lions over the Bears, and I think we're going to beat them mm-hmm. Clearly, their numbers don't work. So, I'm going the other way with the Lions. Yeah, I'm going with the Lions. I think with Jared Goff back, some time to heal up. He can help this offense score three touchdowns between Swift. Probably two from Swift. Goff probably throws for one. And they kick a field goal. So, that's 24 for the Lions. And... 13 for the Bears. I think this is going to be a big win in Detroit and our first win of the season. 
Well, I tell you what, it's the first time that I've actually worn a jersey, I would say, in years and stuff. And let me also put my disclaimer out there. Um, I I'm trying to give the Lions luck. That's, ladies, that's why I wore my jersey. I know that you ladies don't like guys that's 35 and older to wear a jersey. It's not my attire. It's just for the game. It's in support of my team, and it's actually the good luck charm that I put it on. Oh, and Jack, make sure you send them the number. If you say that pay is good as it was, tell them that I'm a little out of shape, but I do have my jersey, and I got my helmet right there. I'm ready. <laughs> Jerry Ball is rip-roaring, ready to go for the Lions to call him. And I'm sure rip-roaring, ready to go for Thanksgiving dinner. Any final yep. thoughts before we head out, Jerry? Any Thanksgiving wishes for all of our friends? Well, definitely. I, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope everyone has a fun and festive day. Enjoying your family, spreading love. Make sure you reach out to others during this time of the season. You know, because nothing is actually given and we shouldn't take any day for granted. So enjoy the day and let's stay blessed. Be thankful, not just today. Be thankful every day for those every in your day. life, your family, your friends. They all love you. And we here at Believe love you as well. So thank you for tuning in for the Believe in Lions podcast. And with that, are you ready to break it down, Jerry? Yeah. One, two, three. We believe. We believe. Peace. I believe. I believe. I believe. I love the lions. Say it with me. I love the lions. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.